Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. And with the CFL season kicking off in just a couple of weeks, we're here to start previewing the season uh, around the league. And uh, we start with the East Division today, talking about the uh, Toronto Argonauts, Ottawa Red Blacks, Hamilton Tiger Cats, and Montreal Alouettes. But first, we got to welcome in Michael Garrell. Mike, how are you doing this week? Not too bad. I had a little tiny bit of a vacation earlier in the week, but uh, settling in for what's going to be a crazy NHL offseason the next uh, 10, 10 days to two weeks and sitting down for a bit talking football with you now. Sounds great. Yes, the uh, the NHL expansion draft this weekend, I believe, correct? Uh, yeah, it's not. Wednesday, the expansion lists are due this weekend also. Ah, okay. Okay. I got the dates wrong. Uh, but yeah, exciting times for the NHL and exciting times for the CFL uh, as we dive right into things here. A proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Uh, check out all the other great shows at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Uh, as they all cover their respective teams and news around the league as we uh, kick off a new season. Uh, but let's talk about the East Division today. Uh, and, and, you know, we're going to do East today, West Division next week. We're not going to give our final picks on how each team will place in these two shows uh, because uh, Mike and I kind of talked about it a little bit. And, uh, you know, so many guys have been brought into training camp. So many guys haven't even made it to training camp necessarily yet. Uh, so we're going to save those for the last uh, week before the season starts. Uh, we'll do some uh, some fantasy stuff, and we'll do our predictions for the season at that point. But uh, we can still talk generally. We don't need to give exact predictions, but we can still talk generally about uh, all of these teams. So uh, of the four teams in the East Division, where do you want to begin, Mike? Let's start with, I think, the team that I'm most intrigued with, uh... This offseason in in the East, outside of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and that's the Toronto Argonauts. All right, we'll start with Toronto. Uh, two seasons, well, two years ago, one season ago, uh, twenty nineteen, they finished with a four and fourteen record, third place in the East. Uh, did not qualify for the playoffs. Uh, offensively, uh, you know, bottom kind of chunk of the league. You know, last three teams in the league uh, in a lot of the rushing categories, passing categories, they were pretty high up there. They had a very big pass to run balance. Uh, defensive categories, uh, again, in the bottom uh, couple teams in the league. Uh, same thing with turnovers. So a rough year in 2019. What does 2021 bring for the Argos? Well, 2021 brings a new quarterback who they've been waiting to audition for quite some time. Uh, brings them a, a new, I think, a new number one running back and some actual playmakers on offense. Uh, and a bit of a an intriguing offensive line for me. I know that one of the players, uh, the Bombers, were pretty high on in their great cup run was Cody Speller. He's now... Uh, in Toronto, but I mean, you know, Isaiah Cage, Philip Blake, Cody Spiller, Darius Blatt, Jamal Campbell, you know, just to name a few. 
No, that that's a pretty solid. I think offensive line that you could work with. Um, and then on the defense, I mean, you bring in Drake Davis from Winnipeg. Uh, one of the few uh, changes from, you know, a bomber team, but one of the great cup. You got Cameron Judge, uh, Henrik Mwamba. So there's a, there's a lot of pieces here. Charleston Hughes. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of pieces here that I think you can work with. Um, my question is how fast can this group form chemistry with that many people in and that many people out? Yeah, you mentioned kind of some of the changes there on the defense. Uh, pretty overhauled defense from what we saw from them in 2019. Offensively, a big overhaul as well. I mean, a wide receiver, uh, you've got Devaris Daniels, Eric Rogers, Jawan Breskison. Uh, Levi Noel, Chandler Worthy, Ricky Collins Jr., Terrell Sinkfield. Those are kind of the top-tier guys there at wide receiver. And uh, a lot of these guys weren't with the team in 2019. And this is a dangerous receiving core they have here. Like, uh, a lot of these are big-name guys who really had strong seasons uh, in 2019 and before that in a lot of cases. Uh, It's somebody's going to not get a starting job out of these last seven guys I mentioned. And uh, it's, it's a guy that's very well deserving of a starting spot, arguably that's going to be the odd man out there. That's how, that's how much talent they brought in at the wide receiver position. I, I, I would take it one step further and suggest to you that not everybody will be on this team. Um, because, I know we'll get into this perhaps a little bit later, but I'm curious of all these guys that are going to fit under this, uh, under the cap. I mean, a lot of these guys, for sure, like that Charlton Hughes or, or a, you know, a Cameron Judge, those guys didn't come cheap, neither did Nick Arbuckle. So it's, it's going to be very interesting how... Toronto and other teams try to fit themselves uh, under the salary cap. Um, I think the Argos should be better than 4 and 14. Obviously, they will be because it's going to be a shorter season. But I would look for the Argos to have a better second half than first half of the season, uh, given all the changes. But I'm going to come out and be very offer a boldish prediction. I think the Argos will finish this season within a game or two uh, of 500. Okay. On either side. On either side. Yeah, I could I could see that being fair. Like you you have to think this team is going to be better than it was in 2019 for sure. Uh, they brought in you know upgrades. I would say at almost every position. Uh, they have a new coaching staff in place. Uh, you know, Ryan Dinwiddie comes in as the new head coach uh, for Toronto, and he brings a lot of pieces from Calgary with him. Uh, you know, Nick Arbuckle uh, brings, uh, well, Tavares Daniels was with Edmonton after he was with Calgary, but he's a former member of the Stampeders, Eric Rogers, Jawan Breskison, like, if you're going to bring a guy like Arbuckle in, you know, this young quarterback who has shown he has a bright future ahead of him, what better way to set him up for immediate success than to bring him with him his off, like 
one of his coaches who he worked very closely with and uh, three of his, you know, wide receivers he's had some time with. Uh, not to mention on the defensive side. I mean, there's more guys, Cordero Law, uh, Shaq Richardson, Robertson Daniel. Like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe these are all guys from the Calgary system. So it, it's interesting yeah. to me because I get what you were saying, you know, as how, how are these pieces going to click? Or they, is it going to take them some time to click? I would have be more confident maybe in this team than say what we saw from BC a couple years ago, because I remember with them, you know, all the talk was, Oh, they're bringing in all these big pieces. You know, they brought in Michael Riley. They brought in uh, some strong offensive linemen, uh, Suk Chung among them, who was great with the bombers uh, to protect them and everything and loaded up on offensive talent and, well, it didn't really click for BC because the chemistry took a little while to get there. But when a lot of the major pieces of your team are coming from the same system, is there really going to need to be that big gelling period? Well, it depends what kind of system, right? If it's a dim, what he's not going to have the same system as Dickinson, um, he's going to integrate his own idea. I'm just wondering, Ryan, if those guys were maybe cast offs in the John Huffnado kind of Dave Dickinson regime. I mean, you have to look at it. Calgary had to make a calculated decision where they couldn't keep everybody. Um, I'm, I'm just wondering if some of these guys have maybe reached the height of their, of their career and we maybe start to see uh, a downward turn. To, to me, I'm really curious about a guy like Eric Rogers. I mean, he missed a lot of time uh, in 19. I think he came back uh, in in the West semi against the Bombers, and as I recall, um, looked like a receiver that you know hadn't played all season was missing on some of the routes. I think was the cause of an interception or two in the second half. Um, on the other side, I'm curious what this year off is going to do for a lot of those guys, but missed a lot of time. So, you know what? It's that thing of, I'm familiar with Ryan Dinwiddie, but I have to also see, uh, Calgary among a few other franchises in professional sports have a very good knack for figuring out when guys are hitting their expiry uh, their expiration, not their expiry tape, but they start their downward uh, trajectory where it becomes um, more of a liability instead of, a, you know, you can have a younger, cheaper option. So I, I'm curious how this is going to play out. I'm very interested uh, in what Ryan Dinwiddie is going to be able to come up with for the Ardles because. Those that don't, those that don't remember, the Bombers played the Riders in the 2007 Grey Cup. Did when he was quarterback for that Blue Bomber team, uh, hadn't played a game in the CFL. It's interesting to me, but yes, he's the former player with a lot of success in a, in a Calgary system, but he didn't have an awful lot of success playing the game, but has found a lot of success uh, coaching in the game, right? Yeah. And, it's kind of like that Bill Belichick tree in the, in the National Football League, right? I mean, New England lost assistant after assistant after assistant. 
I'm curious how this works out with, you know, going down the coaching tree of Dave Dickinson a little bit. Yeah, looking at this team, I mean, just looking at those 2019 stats I listed earlier, I think a big problem for Toronto, like the reason they they were up there in the passing game and down there in the running game was because they were behind so often in games that they had to just keep throwing the ball. Uh, I think bringing in a guy like John White that, you know, uh, a really strong running back, you know, a guy that can hit a thousand yards a season uh, to offset, to go along with all of these additions at wide receiver and your flashy new quarterback. Like, I think that's going to help balance things out a little bit more. I expect the Argos to not necessarily fall out of games as often as, as they did. And uh, that should help balance things more and give them a balanced attack. Uh, Probably the most interesting thing I think for me to watch with Toronto this season is going to be, uh, and you may see this as a recurring theme as we talk about a lot of teams uh, over the next week two, is the quarterback battle because Nick Arbuckle pencil him in as the starter right now, but McLeod Bethel Thompson is a heck of a quarterback in his own right. Uh, he, he has his up and down moments, uh, but he, you know, was one of the leading passers in the league last year. Um uh, and I think can be a starting quarterback in the CFL uh, if he has the right guys around him. So I think we'll see obviously Arbuckle start uh, the season as the starter, but I wonder how lenient they'll be with uh, giving McLeod Bethel Thompson some, uh, some reps in between as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm of the mindset, Ryan, to be honest with you, where, I think you looked at starting McLeod Bethel Thompson in week one. Because I think if you can, you want to give McLeod Bethel Thompson as much of an opportunity to prove himself as Nick Arbuckle, um, to basically show that, you know, two years ago. As I recall, the interceptions were the issue for McLeod Bethel Thompson. The untimely uh, interceptions as a result of as you said, having to throw the ball a little bit more than he wants to to get back into games. Uh, occasionally, it would be, you know, he'd have these dazzling performances, and then there'd be one or two plays uh, in the fourth quarter where it's like, you know, why did he do that, right? And I think that's a byproduct, number one, of not being a balanced team, but also, you know, now having some help on defense, which can also help the field position game. So, although I think Bennett Arbuckle is the number one uh, future for the Toronto Argonauts, I'm wondering if they give net, uh, if they give, sorry, if they give uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson a look uh, as the week one starter and then kind of ease uh, Arbuckle uh, into the system if you will. Yeah, I I think you're going to be hard-pressed to start MBT in week one just because, I mean, first they brought in Matt Nichols, but Arbuckle was really the guy they wanted. So they go in, you know, in this past offseason, go and swap Nichols and bring in Arbuckle. Like like you bring this guy in, uh, you know, as an expected starting quarterback. I don't know. I don't know if you can necessarily bring like the optics of, you know, bringing him in. This is a guy for the future. And then 
not starting him week one, especially if you're Ryan Dinwiddie and you believe in uh, this quarterback you've had the chance to work with in Calgary. I expect it to be Arbuckle week one, but like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see both throughout the season. Can well, I can I can I just play double David quickly to your point? Sure. What if what if our bottle comes in week one, doesn't play very well, week two doesn't play very well. Now you go to week three and you're probably going to McLeod Bethel Thompson against the Bombers in your home opener. He lights it up. The optics don't look good either way. No, that's true. That that is true, and and I think we'll see this around the league. Maybe with a shortened season, every game matters that much more. Uh, where we'll see, you know, maybe some quarterback situations where it's kind of a one-two punch, have a more uh, balance and not one guy leading the way the whole season necessarily. Uh, one of the questions we got in on uh, Twitter this week, because uh, we will be asking for questions for uh, if anybody has any questions or topics they want us to discuss. Uh, so follow us on Twitter at CFC on Mike FM and weigh in before the episode. Uh, we got a question from Dan McLaughlin. Uh, how can Toronto afford all those vet free agents when teams agreed to abide to the salary cap floor? Uh, the way I would answer that is we're going to see some players cut yet. I think you have to right? Uh, Toronto did this a couple of years ago as well. They brought in like six running backs, strong named, run, like high name running backs in free agency and we saw half of them cut loose and same thing at other positions. It's you don't need to be within a salary cap at, at the start of training camp, right? You, you have teams, you have a hundred guys being brought into training camp. Uh, I, I think we will see uh, some guys let loose here. You know, I mentioned that wide receiver, you've got seven big names there. You've got, You've got a guy on the suspended list in Martavis Bryant, who's another big name and some other great young guys as well on the team. So I, I think we'll see some guys let go yet over the next week or two that will bring them back down salary wise. Uh, but what do you think, Mike? Well, I think it's a very interesting situation for Toronto's done. You owe it to your fan base to bring in as many players as possible with as high as quality as possible. You owe it to your team to have a competition in training camp, and that's what this is about. Uh, don't forget there's practice roster spots, uh, there's backup spots, there's, you know, in most cases probably three, three wide receiver slots on the field, one of which is sometimes uh, referred to as a slot bat. Competition hurts nobody. And this is one of the highest, uh, the highest competed position on the football field. And I think it brings out the best of your players if you put them through a rigorous, um, a rigorous uh, training camp with a lot of competition. Um, I, I do think it's funny as it is that a lot of this will wind up sorting itself out via injuries, which I hope aren't severe. But, you know, you and I, Ryan, have been a fan of the Canadian Football League to see this situation a time or two. And more times than not, that situation is kind of taking care of itself, whether it's performance or whether it's injury-related. 
I, I would just be extremely happy uh, with the Ardles, if I'm an Ardle fan, uh, but, but your ownership group has brought in the one of the better-looking Ardle teams that I've seen in recent memory. A lot of that is uh, John Murphy and Pinball Clement. Murphy, of course, uh, used to be with the uh, Saskatchewan Rep Riders, so you know, he knows CFL personnel. But, I mean, long story short, I think it's going to solve itself over time. And there's no harm in competition. Yeah, and, you know, a little tongue-in-cheek answer here as a Tampa Bay Lightning fan. Worst case scenario, you just put $18 million on long-term injured list, right? And then you win a championship. So, <laughs> Oh, right. I, I knew that was coming. <laughs> No, I, I, I mean, that's a discussion for a different place, different time. But uh, I agree with even as a Tampa fan that I hope the NHL changes rules on that a little bit going forward. Um, so uh, to wrap up the Argos here, I, you, you've kind of said already that you think that you could see them hovering around 500, uh, you know, a couple games within either side. Mike, are you ready for possibly my hottest take in the history of this podcast? Uh, one we're going to laugh at in December, in other words? Yeah, pretty much, because normally I think the Argos are my uh, hot take team, and I uh, end up uh, you know, paying for it a little bit. But uh, I will put this out there as a very hot take. I could see Toronto. I'll warm, I'll warm me up and up. Hang on. <laughs> Are you ready? I could see Toronto yeah. finishing top two teams in the CFL in 2021. Oh, oh, oh. Um, I mean, we saw this with Ottawa, didn't we? And, and, and I'll elaborate here because, like, looking at the team on paper right now, based on all of the guys they've brought in, I don't really see very many holes on paper. Like, this is a team that should be able to compete with the best in the league, looking at the names at the different positions here. You get into the questions like we've talked about then of, well, how long is it going to take for this team to get the chemistry together? And will it all come together? Because just because it comes together on paper does not mean ever that it will come together on the field. But... I, I, I like the way they built, brought in all these pieces. I mentioned all of the Calgary connections between these guys. Uh, they brought in a lot of veteran players and stellar veteran players at that. You know, this isn't a young team they've necessarily brought together here. And I think, especially with a year off for everybody, it's those veterans that you want that have that experience uh, at the CFL level, the start of the season is going to be rough for all the teams across the league because nobody's played in two years. Um, so, you know, if you if you look at a team that, you know, needs to build the chemistry, well, I would argue all the teams need to. Uh, I, I think the West division this year is going to be a huge dogfight uh, between all of those teams stealing uh, wins from one another. Uh, yeah. I think Toronto could push for one of the top two spots in the CFL this season. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, I'm going to say this. I will pull your take off a little bit and suggest to you that I believe the Ardles will be a playoff team. 
I'm not willing to go top tier yet with the Argos. That's fair. That's fair. And, and it is a reach. I like to go bold. You know, originally I had them kind of middle of the East, but, uh, and maybe I still do, uh, just because they're, you know, top two team in the league doesn't mean they're the top in their division necessarily. Hint, hint. Uh, yeah, that's my take on the Argos. And we'll get into talking about these rest of the teams here. Uh, you you got to come out bold. You come out bold with the predictions. You either look like a fool and we can all have a laugh at it, or I look like a genius uh, come December. So uh, I'll, I'll take my chances on that. Uh, and I, I imagine not too many people agree with me on this take, but I like what I see from the makeup of the Argos for 2021. Let's move over to another team here. Uh, well, let's go to Montreal next. Um, this is a team that finished 10 and eight in 2019, second in the East. They made the playoffs. They lost in the East semifinal to uh, Edmonton and I believe that was the game Trevor Harris went nuts uh, yep. with something like 600 yards passing or 500 yards passing. Um, pretty good season offensively for uh, Montreal, kind of middle of the pack, upper, close to the middle, a little bit above in a lot of categories. Uh, defensively, though, they were still kind of bottom half in the league. So uh, that's definitely an area they're looking to improve on in 2021 what's what's your take on montreal well since you started with the bull prediction i'm gonna make one right here the montreal alouettes will take the step back in oh 2021 elaborate on that that's interesting 10 and 8 montreal feel good story uh for the year lots of momentum lots of Good things happening. Good coach, good GM, good ownership, and ownership an owner that appears to be very well invested. I just think we need to be careful proclaiming a ten and eight season as one step forward, another step forward a year later. Um uh, Somebody is going to disappoint me this year. Um, I just think that, you know what, the the Alouettes have a lot of pressure on them to follow up the season. There's a lot of pressure on Vernon Adams. Um, there's a lot of pressure to, to keep, you know, taking the step forward. And there's no reason why they can't in my mind. But if you're going to suggest to me that the Ardles are a better team, you know, the Red Blasts are a better team, somebody has to come down a little bit to give, uh, to even out the wins a little bit more. And I, I'm wondering if it's not intentionally by any means, but if the Ardles find a way to snap some wins from Montreal, because I think that the Ardles and Montreal are going to be battling for a home playoff team. Um, I'm just not sure if the if Montreal is going to take the biggest step forward as some people are expecting, just given the historical context of what we think the next step is 
after a pretty sizable step a year the year before. Looking at Montreal's roster, I, I mean, I know this is where they were at last year too, last season too, but it, it's still just after so many years of different quarterbacks, different coaches, it just brings me so much joy to see the Alouettes with uh, a premier starter in Vernon Adams Jr. at quarterback and obviously Kahari Jones back again as, as head coach. It, it just brings me so much joy to see that stability for them. Uh, and really, you look at the offensive side of the ball, uh, I don't fully recall the 2019 roster at this point, but it, it looks to me like for the most part, this is the same crew you had together that year. I believe if Naaman Roosevelt is a new addition, I think that was someone they added uh, in the 2020 offseason. Uh, yep. So that's a great addition there. Uh, probably one of the biggest additions that nobody's necessarily talking about is BJ Cunningham who missed most of the 2019 season with an injury and has always been one of their top receivers as long as he's been there so you've got uh, a premier starter in Vernon Adams Jr. who I think is going to keep taking his game to the next level the more he, he gets a chance to play and it's so nice after all the years of him moving around from team to team and never get and getting overlooked finally see him getting the shot he deserves. He's got some great quality receivers there. Uh, he's got, he's got some good offensive linemen in front of him. Um, and he's got William Stanback as his running back. And I know that was something up in the air because uh, I, I think he tried to go to the NFL uh, for a bit there, but he did end up coming back to Montreal and he's one of the best running backs in the league as well. So offensively, I could see Montreal, kind of being where we saw them, you know, in 2019 with uh, the passing game, maybe improved a little bit, you know, maybe they move into the upper half of the league in that sense uh, and being tops in the run game as well. Uh, defensively though, what are your thoughts on Montreal's defense? Uh, just quickly touching back to their offense. I do have some questions on their offensive line a little bit. Um, I, I do seem to notice they went heavy on the Nationals uh, on the offensive line uh, for the most part because I, I think that leads me to believe that they plan to play a lot of uh, Americans at the wide receiver position. So, so that, that was just interesting to me as well. Um, obviously, the big one for Montreal defensively is Amanda Sewell. Uh, it's, uh, I would say it's Sewell, but it's no, Sewell. It's Sewell, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a big jet for a D-line, but I think at times uh, failed to bring pressure on the opposition quarterbacks. Um, you know, we, we should be snoozing on, on a guy like Nick Usher as well. Um, you know, these guys... Montreal has to find a way, in my estimation, to pressure the other team's opposition quarterbacks a little bit better. Uh, it would take a lot of pressures off, off your linebackers and your, uh, and, and your DBs if you can get just a little bit more pressure uh, on the quarterback. Yeah, and I think that defensive line is pretty solid there. I mean, the, the starting four seems to be Antonio Simmons, Armando Sewell, 
uh, Junior Luke and Nick Usher, but you've got some strong guys in the set, you know, behind them yet too, like a Woody Barron and a Michael Wakefield. So, uh, you know, even as guys go down, I, I think you'll see uh, a pretty strong defensive line as you move backwards kind of on the defense to the linebacker in the defensive back position. I think that's where my biggest question marks on this Montreal team are because uh, obviously the biggest loss, I think it, we can pretty firmly say is Hinoch Mwamba at the middle linebacker position. Uh, it looks like Kentrell brothers uh, is kind of a leading guy to fill in that slot this season, but you've got Chris Aki, Kentrell brothers and Patrick levels uh, just looking at, you know, the CFL's projected depth charts on the CFL website for Montreal they have Patrick Levels sliding in at uh, one of the linebacker positions as well. Uh, a guy I believe is normally playing defensive back. So I, I think maybe a little weaker at the linebacker spot uh, and then defensive back, you know, your projected starters, probably something like Taekwon Glass, Greg Reed, Ty Cranston, Monshadrick Hunter, uh, and Najee Murray. I, I don't think that's necessarily tops in the league either. I, 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 that you have some great guys on there, certainly. Uh, I know I'm a big Greg Reed fan personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think if there's a spot on this team that I may be concerned about, it's the, it's the same thing we saw in 2019, right? The defense, uh, giving up a lot of, a lot of passing yards on the defense. Uh, they gave up the most in the league, uh, 316 passing yards a game uh, two years ago. Um, can they tighten that up is the question. I think the method is very simple for Montreal here, Ryan. And it's this. I think they're going to take their chances on eliminating turnovers. I think they're going to play a lot of possession football. I think they're going to pound the football with William Stanback, and you're going to see a lot of six and seven-minute drives to help alleviate some of the pressure on that defense. Uh, I think if you're Montreal, you can't afford to fix everything in one offseason, so you have to kind of take the calculation of where you can be a little bit softer or a little bit weaker on your roster. Um, I to me, I'm very excited. If you want another, if you want another bold prediction on my part, uh, I think Jake Wenicky is going to have a, about a 1100 to 1200 yard season. Maybe be Montreal's nominee uh, for most outstanding players. Oh wow! He, he had a great season in 2019. He really had a coming out party then. Uh, I think it might be harder to hit those numbers in a shortened season. Uh, yeah, so, so, so prorate them a bit, but so so maybe a thousand yards, a thousand to eleven hundred yards. Uh, and I'm just saying that because you know it, it it disappoints me to be honest with you that a lot of the MOP discussion. I know it's the most important position on the field, but. Let's give some love to guys other than quarterbacks when it comes to this award or create a different category because it seems to me like on most teams, a lot of those guys are nominated for most outstanding player, are quarterbacks, and rightly so. But I think the guys that get the quarterback, those statistics, 
are also very much underlooked in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, it is more often than not the quarterback that does get the recognition. And they say it's the most important position on the football field, but it's not the only position. And certainly if you have one quarterback and nobody to catch the ball, he's not going to have a great season himself. So uh, yeah, I'm all for this. Give some recognition to some of these guys. I, I like your prediction on Jake Weineke. I, I just, I don't know if I necessarily, I think you'll have a great season. Uh, I think he just maybe won't hit that because there's so many other great receivers there for Montreal that are going to spread the ball around. Right. Like the, these top five guys projected to start, um, they're all premier receivers. They could all, you know, have a season where they hit a thousand yards potentially. Yeah. So, yeah, so, it's, it's a very interesting. You and I know very well that one injury kind of throws the entire prediction machine out the window. Oh, yeah. That's, that's why you take every prediction we make with a grain of salt. That's why I have no problem making the bold predictions like I did about the Argos, because even if I try to make non-bold predictions, they could change week one. Yeah, and the caveat is don't take any of this information to Las Vegas or any of the uh, any of the betting lines. Yeah, yeah, we cannot, we will not be held responsible for any money lost on uh, on betting on the CFL. Uh, take everything we say with a grain of salt. You mentioned the injuries. One one position I'm wondering if there is any concern is running back. Uh, we see teams more and more these days seem to go with the two back system. Uh, you have some teams like Hamilton that we'll get into yet that arguably have four high quality guys who could start at running back. Uh, you have stand back, but uh, the guys behind him do not, uh, do not jump out to me as, as you know, guys we've seen proven at the running back position, uh, Cameron Artis Payne slot is backup right now. Dominic Bragalone uh, as the third string. Stanback's a great running back, and I think he'll challenge for the rushing title this year if he stays healthy. Um, but he's going to have to carry the workload, I think, at running back. Yeah, and you know what, Ryan? I'm not as concerned as some other people uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, just, just because... You know, there's always a guy, and you and I know this just as good from circumstances. Um, there is a very likelihood of a guy that we're not talking about right now that could be in the discussion for year-end awards. There's a guy that we do not know about. That's not a household name, but we'll be talking about time December and we'll be like, oh, where did this guy come from, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think as much as there's not uh, established names as Montreal's running back, you've heard me use this line, and it's time to have the, <laughs> the mitisms on this show. <laughs> running backs are a dime a dozen, and... Just because fans don't know the names of these players uh, doesn't mean that the scouting staff doesn't. 
Uh, and these guys, they're on the roster for a reason. And I think they accommodate the fact that, yes, we need to prepare for an injury. Um, you know, just because you don't have a, a William Powell, just as an example, and you don't have a Sean Thomas Erlinson backing them up, just as another example, doesn't quite set the stage for, you know, doom and gloom, if you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Mike, would you believe me if I told you I brought this point up specifically because I was hoping to hear the Mikeism of running backs are a dime a dozen? Uh, I knew sure. you. I knew you bring it up. You always do, and it's a fair point. I just love to hear it. <laughs> okay. Well, there it is. There it is. Uh, no, but I agree with you. Yeah, just because these aren't household names to us right now does not mean they are not by the end of the season. And maybe he stays healthy all year. And uh, if he does, uh, watch out because Stanback is uh, a force to be reckoned with at the running back position. What? Why do I feel like our episode title didn't emulate from the last two minutes of this conversation? <laughs> it might. I, I, no, I'll probably just do it something simple, like straightforward, like East Division preview. Once we get into, you know, week by week during the season, that's where I get into the clever titles. But, uh, uh, true, true. Okay. But, I try, I tried, guys. But the subtitle, the subtitle, uh, if there is one, would probably be that. Although I think I've used that for at least three episodes in the past. Well, just so people know, I'm 100% trying to yank Ryan's chains. Oh, always. What fun is doing a podcast if you don't? Uh, Let's move over to uh, a team you said at the start of the episode was perhaps the most interesting for you uh, outside of Toronto. Let's move to Hamilton. Uh, 15 and three regular season in 2019, a nine and zero record at home. First in the league. Uh, They do lose the gray cup to the bombers. Uh, offensive stats uh, in most of them, and the, they're in the upper part of the league, uh, including yards and points and passing yards. They're first in the league. Uh, defensively, they're also in most of the stats up in the uh, the top four teams in the league, uh, least points against. So, I mean, they had the most points for least points against pretty much sums up a dominating season for Hamilton 2019. Why are they so interesting for you coming into this year? Because I I, I know what I'm going to get from these guys in the first 14 weeks. You know? I, I know what I'm going to get from them in the regular season. It's do they have the horses? Are they healthy enough to take what I think is going to be a great cup on, on, on home field? Because if, if you ask a lot of Hamilton Tiger Cat fans, sure, 15-3 and three was great. But they played arguably their worst game in the most important game of the season. So Hamilton, to me, had nothing to prove in the regular season. They could finish third in the East, finish with that number three team in in the East, and win, you know, two playoff games and go the bomber route. And that wouldn't surprise me. How does Hamilton put themselves in the best position possible? to prepare themselves for what is going to be, when this team is going to be judged the most in December. That is my intrigue with Hamilton. This team on paper, believe it or not, 
could go 14 and 0. Will they go 14 and 0? I don't think so. But I'm just saying, do not judge Hamilton on what is going to be a very successful regular season, all things considered, in Titan land. The jury will be out on this team in the playoffs. And how can they avoid having that let down? And I think, to be honest with you, it's it's about getting uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli to the finish line of when it matters the most. And if, if that's rotating your quarterbacks to make sure that your number one quarterback uh, plays in the greatest game of the season, then that's what you have to do. Because I think Dane Evans finally looked like a rookie in that game, the most important game in that great cup game. So I think for Hamilton to have any ounce of success, it's going to depend on keeping Jeremiah Mazzoli healthy for the playoffs and ensuring that the great cup letdown doesn't happen again. Well, I mean, let's get right into it with Hamilton. One of the Twitter questions we got uh, from David Carswell, uh, who do you see being the number one QB or do you see them going with a multi-package one-two punch? That's really, in training camp, the number one question on everyone's minds because, you know, we don't have these questions with Hamilton of, well, is this team going to be improved on last year? How are they going to gel at this position? Can they clean up their game at that position? Like they don't have a spot on the field that they need to clean up from last year or that they needed to go out and improve, really. They just had one bad game uh, in the Grey Cup. Uh, so the big question now becomes, uh, Mazzoli goes down in week seven or eight uh, last season. Dane Evans comes in, lights it up, takes them all the way to the Grey Cup and, uh, and an, an amazing season. Who do you start at quarterback? Um I think it's a toss-up for me. I, I see the merit in starting either of them. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 would be my assessment. Uh, the early the early indications that I'm getting based on pe- people that I've heard in and around the Ticats is that it's going to be Jeremiah Mazzoli on August the 5th here in Winnipeg, but you know, Dane Evans, this is one of those scenarios of flip a coin, you could be happy uh, either way. And that's just the way, that's just the way the Ticats are set up with their abundance of riches. I, I want to touch on the multi-package one-two punch part uh, that, that was mentioned in David's question because... I don't think we see within a game a multi, you know, switching packages. Okay, one series we're going Mazzoli, next series we're going Evans, stuff like that. Uh, Just from the nature of the quarterbacks, we don't really see that too often from teams in the CFL. Granted, I don't think any teams uh, in recent history have necessarily had as good of a one-two punch at this position uh, that Hamilton has with Mazzoli and Evans. But you look at what Winnipeg did with, you know, Nichols slash Caleros and Chris Strevler, where Strevler came in for packages every once in a while. Um, those packages were highly based on Strevler's skill set as a running quarterback. You know, the majority of his plays were him running the ball. 
I don't think, I think with both of these guys, and I know Mazzoli himself is uh, certainly can be a mobile quarterback, uh, but I don't see necessarily one of these guys fitting the niche of a package like that. I think they're both just well-rounded and great passers. Um, So I don't know if you can really design a separate special package around one, but not the other. Yeah, I think you run into a situation, Ryan, where if you cater too much of the offense to one guy, that guy gets hurt. Uh, It has a propensity to change your game plan a lot, right? I mean, there was a just, and I hate to take this to the Bombers, but there was a situation where, you know, there was a sizable drop-off about a Chris Traveler package compared to a, uh, whether it was a Matt Nichols or a Zach Kalaros type package. Uh, Mazzoli, neither of those two, I think, would resemble a Traveler type package. It, it might be worth exploring, but I, I think from a chemistry standpoint, you have to stick with one guy. Um, and then you have that other guy, and whether it's, you know, a few plays a quarter to just change things up, I, I think you're asking yourself for a lot of potential for miscommunication if you're uh, changing your your packages based on the quarterback and, you know, they split the package. Uh, they split the game, pardon me, you know, 50-50, 60-40, you have to really have your eyes dotted and your T's crossed uh, if you're going to go to that kind of situation. Uh, there's a reason why a lot of football teams uh, stay away from that. And it's, you know, there's, there's a first for everything. But I think it's, you take one guy, you stick with him if he straddles or he gets hurt, then you put in the other guy. And you're feeling very, very, very comfortable, uh, no matter what situation. Uh, or, you know, I guess you can't really do any wrong, uh, with regardless who you pick. So, yeah, it's a toss-up for me. And I, I think if we want to see a one-two punch, what we're more so going to see from this team is they're going to be leading by so much in a few of their games this year that. You know, we see sometimes teams a little more hesitant to take out their starting quarterback. I, I, I think, you know, the Ticats get a couple touchdown lead in the fourth quarter or late in the third quarter. We could see some games this year where whoever's the starter comes out and uh, whoever's the backup uh, comes in just to get them reps and they're not going to miss a beat, uh, right? So I, I think that's what we'll see from that perspective. I also have Mazzoli uh, slotted in as my starter for this year. I, I know it's a well-contested battle in training camp, and we're not going to find out. Uh, probably until, you know, like an hour before game time opening night, they're going to try to keep it uh, as concealed as possible, we know, because uh, coaches love to play those mind games. Uh, but I would lean towards Mazzoli. He was the starter when he was starting. He was, you know, an MOP quality quarterback. Evans came in and played great in the meantime, uh, but I think you got to go back to Mazzoli, right? So uh, that's who I have starting. 
I think it might change throughout the season, maybe. Um, and I think we'll see reps from both in those types of games where Hamilton's ahead by a couple of TDs. Yeah, and there's no harm in having. There's a lot of, in fact, I can think of about seven or even six CFL teams that would love to be in the position that Hamilton is, oh, yeah. especially over here, Wayne Queen. But, yeah, it's you want to have two options. You want to use them. And you're going to, uh, and you're going to uh, go with what you have. Now, looking at the roster overall, and I just pulled up in front of me the uh, the depth chart they went with in that Grey Cup game uh, that they last played, uh, which was their last game, obviously uh, before now. And not too much has changed for Hamilton over the past two years. They've been able to keep. Uh, a good chunk of their team together. Um, they did lose a couple guys, you know, Delvin bro, I believe has retired. Uh, but Jamal roll, who was the backup in that game is a great defensive back in his own right. Uh, the rest of their, their defensive backfield, uh, Richard Leonard uh, looks to be out, but Siante Evans, again, another amazing defensive back uh, filling that slot. So they pick up where they left off there. Uh, linebacker position, uh, they've got a couple changes there. You know, Justin Tuggle and Rico Murray, uh, no longer with the team. Uh, but they bring in Javon Santos Knox. Uh, Tyrese Beverett gets a starting spot. Uh, defensive line is exactly the same as it was in the Gray Cup. Offensive line, they lose the big piece in uh, Riker Matthews. Uh, looks like Trevon Tate will be uh, is slotted to possibly probably fill in at that starting spot right now on the offensive line. Um, running back a couple changes, you know, you have, uh, I believe they had uh, Terrell Sutton, Cameron Marshall as part of the team uh, back in 2019. Uh, they're out now, but you still have Sean Thomas Erlington, who hopefully has a full healthy season this year. You bring in Don Jackson from Calgary. You've got Malik Irons, Jackson Bennett still with the team. Uh, and wide receiver, not too many changes either outside of probably the one big one is uh, the, the Luke Tasker. Uh, but you've got a got bunch of young guys stepping in there like a Marcus Tucker, a Jalen Marshall uh, filling, filling roles there potentially. So ha- Hamilton didn't have too much turnover or maybe you're thinking, what the heck are you talking about? You're delusional. You just spent two minutes listing off all of the guys that aren't there. That's turnover. If I've ever seen some, but for a team that competed so well and, you know, had this one of the best regular seasons of all time, like these guys were going to get paid a lot of these guys. Um, And you expect them to almost lose more of their team than they did. And all the pieces they lost, I think they found suitable, uh, potentially just as good replacements. Yeah, this is the team that strikes me with their one bad game away from knowing that they can win a great cup again. I think that's what this is about. It's about writing a rod from 2019. Uh, 2019 has long been forgotten in the minds of the Hamilton Tiger Chat. And they're on to the next challenge. And they have anything short of a great cup, I think, for Hamilton this year will be a bitter, bitter, bitter disappointment more so than two years ago. 
part of that comes from it being at home too, right? Yeah, but I mean, Hamilton, I, I don't know too many people. When I was pointed at them in Calgary in 2019, that gave the Bombers a chance in that team. And yet the Bombers came in and dominated them. Uh, Lost Hamilton wondering what the heck happened over the three-hour football game. And I think that's just the uniqueness of the Canadian football. Is, you know, it's one game, three hours, regardless of your record, the best team, better team wins on most nights. Sometimes you sometimes you win one, but you shouldn't have won, and that's just the way it goes. But, but I wonder, Ryan, is there a trade to be made between – the Montreal Alouettes and the Hamilton Tiger Cats at the end of the preseason. What, what, kind Hamil- of, what kind of trade specifically are you looking at here? Well, I'm looking at the SS receivers that Montreal has and maybe the SS running backs that, that, that Hamilton uh, seems to have. And I'm wondering if you can do a one-for-one one to kind of benefit both teams. I don't know if you need that uh, from the Hamilton side, though. Like, you're looking at a starting receiver group of Brandon Banks, Braylon Addison, two of the top receivers in the league, Devere Posey, always a threat at wide receiver, uh, Jalen Acklin, uh, pretty, had a pretty good season, uh, David Unger third. I know this is a guy the Ticats are high on. Uh, he'll f- fill his Canadian slot at receiver. Then you've got Marcus Tucker, Jalen Marshall, uh, among others as well. Like they have their own depth there. Uh, I definitely think, you know, they have a running back that could, you know, benefit Montreal. Um, maybe they, you know, make some sort of deal to get a bit more depth on the defensive side of the ball or offensive line depth maybe, but like, I, I don't know if Hamilton would gain that much necessarily i think they like their starter group like they could gain some depth right from a deal like that but uh as far as they're set to go with who they have uh, slotted in as starters i i think this is as good a squad as any for hamilton um the a couple other guys i missed that are no longer with the team uh, mike jones at wide receiver so david unger gets the starting uh, canadian receiver spot there uh, and the kicker position, I think, uh, looks a little different this year. And maybe maybe outside of the quarterback uh, question, the kicker position is the next big one for them because Liram Haralahu is no longer there. Uh, and it looks like we've got some competition between uh, Gabriel Ferraro and uh, Matthew White at the kicker position. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because the other team that played in the great top is going to have a completely uh, different special team. So it's kind of ironic that you know, the two teams lost that, and at the end of last year, are going to have brand-new special teams captains. Are there any spots of concern for you for Hamilton at all? None. None. If, if you would have drawn up, this is the type of team that I would want as a manager, well-balanced. Um, you know, the, the caveat, of course, is uh, injuries gonna do certain teams in, but you know, guys that have left have been adequately replaced. You know, I really, and like I said, I mean, 15 and 3 might have been, you know, with their record, 
I don't think it's out of reach for the Tiger Cats to go 15 and to go uh, 13 and two. Uh, sorry, 12 and two or 13 and one this year. Yeah, I think they'll come back to earth a little bit. Uh, kind of the same argument you gave about Montreal, just other teams in the division getting better. Uh, you know, if I'm going to stand by my prediction of Toronto being a, a top-tier team this season, uh, Toronto and Hamilton play each other four times. Uh, do I see Hamilton winning all four of those against the Argos this year? No, I do not. Uh I, I think Hamilton is should have no problem winning the East Division. Uh, I I think maybe you know a Toronto or a Montreal will contest them for that spot, but uh, Hamilton certainly has to be the favorite to win the East coming into this year. Absolutely, and I, and I, I don't dispute that. So I I mean I, I I'm just excited to see the Ticats play because uh, you know. The three teams we've talked about so far, I would say we spent the most time on Toronto. We spent a good chunk of time on Montreal. I feel like we haven't spent a whole lot of time on Hamilton, and I don't have a ton, honestly, left to say it on them at this point because they don't have any holes for me to talk about. Like, I can sit here and, and, and praise how good Hamilton is, uh, which we did most of the 2019 season, and if you really want to know more about about the Ticats, just go look how dominant they were in 2019 and how much we hyped them up all year uh, because it's much of the same this time around again. So I'm excited once we get into uh, seeing them out on the field and getting to talk about uh, what I expect to be a dominant Hamilton team uh, week in and week out again this season. I'm much the same way uh, with Hamilton, not too much to add. All right, let's move on to Ottawa here uh, and give me a sec here, Mike, to pull up the stats because I realized I copied in the wrong ones for 2019. Um, But while I do that, start us off on talking about uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks because I think this is going to be another fun discussion topic. Yeah, I mean, Ottawa, in my mind, there's a lot of questions here. Um. You know, this is the one game in the stand in in the season where I wish uh, the Bombers were playing Ottawa. I don't know how they're not. We've discussed that basically at nauseum from, you know, the, the last episode. But, you know, Matt Nettles, Paul Apolis, uh that kind of information um, – but again, I think there is a lot of questions when, you know, you're a team that like the Ottawa Red Blacks coming off the season that they had. I uh, remember they started 2-0, and I think only won one game or remainder part of the season here. Uh, but you know what? It's not worth it's not going to be worse than last year. I'm expecting them to take a step forward. And it's just going to be a situation of how do they overcome their offensive line retirements uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, they made some pretty good, uh, uh, pretty good additions. I mean, Matt Nichols being one of them. Uh, the Nettles La Police, uh, the Nettles La Police pairing 
is pretty good. If you ask me for, you know, quarterback versus quarterback and offense, offensive coordinator slash uh, head coach, to me, and they made a lot of, you know, obviously a lot's been said about the offensive line, but receivers, I mean, like R.J. Harris, Anthony Coombe, Daniel Peterman, who played uh, for the Bombers now, he gets a very good chance of a, uh, a look in, you know, the starting lineup. Deadman, who was absolutely on fire uh, when it came to, uh, you know, returns in that. So now they have him. I compare him to be anyway their, their version of Brandon Banks. For sure, uh, the yeah. Tenna, the the, the Tenna started making his his mindset on uh, on uh, on uh, or, sorry made a name for himself on uh, on special teams before uh, transitioning into the offense. So you know, there's a lot to like about what I think Ottawa. Ottawa's kind of weird. They had a very bad first season. Um, in the history of the of the franchise, then they, you know, they went all in to, you know, they basically brought in all those free agents. They, you know, had a ticket, a couple of gray cups, and now they, I don't know, reverted backwards. It's almost like, you know, one step backward, one step forward, one step backwards. To me, there's a lot of. It can't go any worse for Ottawa than it did. Um, but there's still an awful lot of question marks. Uh, as much as there are question marks, uh, it spells opportunity for me. Yeah, I pulled up the stats here now. Uh, plug your ears, Red Blacks fans, while I quickly go through these. You may not want to hear this. 3-15 uh, and 15 record on the season in 2019. You mentioned started 2-0 and and then 1-15 and 15 the rest of the way. Uh, last in the East Division, did not make the playoffs. Offensive stats, 7th, uh, 8th, or ninth in the league in almost every category. Uh, defensive stats, pretty much the same thing for the most part. Uh, we talked about Hamilton having the most points for and least points against. Uh, well, Ottawa was the opposite, uh, averaging only 17.3 points per game. Uh, turnover stats, uh, eighth or ninth in the league in most categories there as well. It was a rough year for Ottawa. And certainly some of the offseason moves they made, as you mentioned, uh, the big one, getting their quarterback, getting their new head coach. Uh, the, you know, that gave some optimism in uh for our nation, but boy, some of the news we've gotten from Ottawa in the last couple of weeks certainly uh, puts a bit that uh, back into a little bit of a shaky territory. I mean, you lose a couple of your strongest offensive linemen, uh, Alex Mateus retiring, Alex Fontana saying he's not playing this year. Uh, you have... You, you're, 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 you're basically in a situation where Nolan McMillan is your best offensive lineman. Yeah, I mean, you're basically going to rely on Mark Corte and Nolan McMillan as your two big guys. And you've got some other young guys in there. Uh, Jamar McGloster, one of them from the Bombers system, uh, filling it on offensive line. But 
I, I believe Mark Corte is even uh, moving to a different position now. I think he's moving to the center spot to fill where Alex Mateus uh, was playing previously. So yeah, he's one of their top veteran guys, but he's, he's playing a new position here. So uh, that that's a concern for me, definitely on the offensive line. Uh, you lose one of your, or your best receiver for uh, the last couple of years in Brad Sinopoli and an outstanding career uh, and a well-deserved retirement for him. Uh, so you, you bring in the quarterback, uh, but the quarterback you bring in, look, we love Matt Nichols. He, he's a great, I'll say it, game manager, and that's a very successful strategy as a quarterback. But he's had some injury struggles, uh, particularly last season as well. Uh, you now have some question marks at offensive line. You have what was going to be one of his most reliable options at wide receiver. You know, Sinopoli's that guy you can depend on on a second down whenever you need those those all gone all of a sudden um i agree with you it can't be as bad as it was for ottawa but i don't think we're seeing leaps and bounds from this team in 2021 yeah but what what's an appropriate increase in wins certainly losing those two offensive linemen have put them basically in the conversation of being in the East Division to knocking off two or three wins. So, you know, is is five wins appropriate? Six wins appropriate? Yeah, it, 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 I, I think we'll see them pull out a couple more this year than they did. Uh, but it's also tough uh, because if you look at it, you know, we, we think Hamilton's going to be just as good as they were. We think Montreal is going to be okay around the same, maybe a bit of a drop off there. Uh, we think Toronto is going to be better. Uh, me more so than you. Like is Ottawa really going to be able to feast off of any of those teams necessarily? I think they'll pull out some more wins and maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe Ottawa will be the surprising team for us this year, but uh, this is a team that on paper, uh, it, it doesn't look that bright to me. Uh, necessarily. I, I will, you know, I'll, I'll stop and point out some bright spots here because I don't want to just be doom and gloom on this team. Uh, I, I think they do have some great uh, pieces that they've added. Uh, it's interesting looking at the wide receiver position, you know, your top sort of seven, eight guys there that I think are going to be competing for roster spots. Uh, Germanic Smith, RJ Harris, Anthony Coombs, Daniel Peterman, Nate Bahar, Rafael Araujo, Araujo Lopez, I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, Devontae Dedman, Michael Klukas, like four of those eight guys are Canadians. So uh, we could see this team starting, you know, two, maybe three guys uh, that are nationals at the wide receiver position, which we don't see too often. And it's great to see uh, that much Canadian talent there. Yeah, it is. And, and I think as much as a wild card and as much as we're projecting a very low expectations, if guys perform the way they know how, uh, it's going to be very interesting the way um, to see what happens in Ottawa. 
The biggest interesting one to me, looking at the well, – we'll finish off the offense here, and then we'll look at the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Running back position, starting running back Timothy Flanders. I loved Flanders when he was here in Winnipeg. Uh, a one-two punch with Andrew Harris. Uh, I think he got some starts in there uh, as Harris was injured uh, for a couple of games. Um, I thought Flanders showed a lot of bright spots. Uh, I think he dropped off a little bit after that. Maybe he went to Calgary for a bit or was out of the league for a year or two. Uh, now he comes back and he is the projected starter for Ottawa. Uh, another guy, again, from a Lapalie system. Um what what's your expectations for Tim Flanders? Well, I think there's no time like the present, uh, for sure. Uh, for Timothy Flanders to take a statement about, uh, you know, about being a number one running back, which is uh, conceivably why he left the situation in Winnipeg. I remember it was Harris Flanders there for a while. Um so now he wanted to leave to be a number one guy. Great, prove it now. Yeah, and I think he, I think he's going to be featured in this offense heavily. Um, I, I think you know Lapolis uh, gets very creative with his offenses. He loves to use his running backs. Uh, maybe we even see Brendan Golanders get more of a role than he has in the past, uh, and a bit of a two back system there for them. So. Uh, I, I think he's an interesting piece. And I think, you, you know, you talk about, you talked about earlier having uh, a couple of guys, or we're going to see a guy at the end of the season that we don't know anything about come out and be a potential award winner here. We know what Flanders is about. Um, so it's not quite in that category, but this is a guy I could see surprising us uh, as one of the top running backs in the league. Now that, this is his offense as the starting role. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he looked good in limited touches. Uh, he looked good in limited touches uh, with, uh, you know, his uh, his 50-50 split or 60-40 split. As a guy gets more and more responsibility added to him, that's going to be a huge, huge adjustment going from that backup guy to the guy. And I hope he can do it. He's shown flashes of being able to do that. So I wish Tim Flanders all the best. And I want him to succeed. And maybe in fact, Ryan, he is a guy that everybody's sleeping on as far as being able to be one of the top guys in the lead and in that conversation of, you know, top five running backs. Maybe he's the guy we all have forgotten uh, about. And if you want to talk about the creativity from Paul Apolis as well, I think one of the guys I'm excited to see Two of the guys, actually, I'm excited to see used in different ways. Uh, you mentioned Devontae Dedman already and the speed he possesses. I think uh, we could see uh, Lapolis do a lot of things like he did with Lucky Whitehead here in Winnipeg uh, with Dedman. 
And uh, Anthony Coombs as well. This is a guy that can has lined up at the running back position at times in the past. He lines up at wide receiver now. I think we're going to see a lot of plays of, you know, these guys, you know, maybe pitches to these guys or a direct or a handoff to some of these wide receivers. Like Lapolis loves his trick plays. And I think he has some great pieces here uh, for that. So, you know, I started off being doom and gloom on Ottawa offensively. Um, If the offensive line can hold it together and give Matt Nichols the protection he needs, keep him healthy and give, he has these options available to him. uh, I, I think they can make some magic happen. I think it's a tall hill to climb. Uh, but but I think they they do have some pieces there to make the the magic happen. Um, what are your thoughts on the defense for Ottawa? Uh, I've been doing a lot of the same situation as one of the other teams we talked about. Um, we know this from when Lapolis was in Winnipeg. He loved that ball control offense. I think that's something he's starting to build in Ottawa, but. My question is, can they, when their offense isn't up to snuff, is their defense able to step up to switch field position, get the offense back out there, put the offense in favorable position? Um, Because it seemed to me like no matter what John Davis did two years ago, he would have a good drive and then the defense would give it right back. And, you know, they were two and oh, um, they were two and oh to start the season. Um, but I think a lot of people had them as, okay, let's wait and see. But I didn't expect the regression, but we saw to win one of your remaining games all season and it was largely due to the imbalance and perhaps the inexperience at the most important position but you know offense and defense is so specially um, is so closely aligned uh, more than just different units on the field they play off each other special teams sets up the offense sets up the defense you know, bails the defense out with a great with a great kick uh, from time to time. Uh, Ottawa needs an improved defense, even marginally, I think, to win a few more games. And then Matt Nettle needs to just return to some semblance of what he was before a shoulder injury. And, and the pieces they have on defense in Ottawa, I think they've got the pieces there to have a much improved season. Like they've got Frank Beltre, Cleon Lang, Davon Coleman, Avery Ellis. That's a solid defensive line. Linebacker position, Avery Williams, Jer- Jared Fernandez, uh, Don Unamba, big piece there. Uh, and you've still got guys like Micah Awe as an option there on, on at linebacker as well. Uh, and then defensive back, you know, Randall Evans, Antoine Pruneau, uh, Sherrod Baltimore, Deshaven, Deshaven, Hayes, uh, Abdul Kane. Like, these are solid pieces that Ottawa has uh, on defense to build around as well, I think. And 
I like who they have as defensive coordinator, Mike Benavides. I, I, I loved the defenses he's put together in the past. Uh, I think he is the type of guy that uh, excels as a coordinator. I don't know if I love him as much at the head coach position, but they, they have the coaching staff in place to, to take the guys that we're looking at on this roster and elevate them to the next level this year. Uh, because I think if we look back to 2019, I think there were a lot of question marks about Ottawa's coaching staff. I mean, offensively, wasn't it play calling by committee uh, last season where, you know, they didn't exactly have an assigned offensive coordinator. Um, so I, I think they have the coaching staff in place. They seem to have some promising pieces. Uh, there's just those holes that, you know, have suddenly been left there in the last two weeks that give us question marks about Ottawa. Like, what would your go back before these, you know, offensive linemen uh, left the team uh, slash retired uh, Brad Sinopoli retired, but go back before that. I, I may look at Ottawa a lot differently at that point. Uh, I still think they will be bottom of the East division this year. Uh, and I would have then too, but uh, they were certainly looking like a team that had some solid pieces at every single position. Yeah. I, I'll be honest with you. I had them battling for a playoff spot, missing the playoff by a game uh, before the offensive line scenario. Now I have them completely missing, but that's not necessarily the worst scenario in the book as you at all. The Bombers under this new regime started near the bottom, and I think as long as we start to see a slow and progressive improvement, things will be okay in Ottawa. I think they need to take a long-term approach to this. I, I Not to say they took some shortcuts to get through a couple of great tops, but I think the proper development of certain pieces of their roster would aid the long-term success for the franchise. Well said, yeah. Yeah, this is a year that they're going to start building things uh, in Ottawa and it may take a, a year or two years, three years. Um, but this team has the pieces in place. They've got a lot of great young talent and I think they're only going to get better as they go along. So maybe a rough year this year, red blacks fans. Uh, but, uh, there is some potential there. I think that wraps it up for our thoughts on the East division, uh, to sum it up, Mike, I, I would say, 2019 was Hamilton runs away with it. Montreal is a much improved team. Uh, Toronto and Ottawa, tough year for them. Kind of, you know, there was that huge separation between the top two teams and the bottom two. Agree with me, right? That this is going to be a much more balanced East division this year. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you just very quickly, I mean, I think there's going to be a team in the East Division that's going to surprise. Um, I'm still flip-flopping to this point how those three and four didn't work out. I'm still trying to flip-flop. I'm flip-flopping as to whether uh, there'll be a crossover this year. Um, 
which is an interesting dynamic when you talk about how unbalanced the schedule is to a point. Um, but but I think all in all, it can improve these divisions. But I still I still maintain based on paperwork that the West Division uh, is going to be the far more the superior division this year. Well, we'll get into talking about the West Division next week on the podcast. We'll preview all five teams from the West. Uh, if you have any questions or uh, topics you want us to discuss uh, amongst the, about any of those teams, send them to us on Twitter at CFC on Mike FM is our handle. Uh, you can also uh, send us your uh, thoughts and your predictions on the East division. Uh, we'd love to see uh, how everybody else has these teams kind of uh, falling in place uh, this year. Uh, I, I, I have to think very few of them will agree with uh, my take on the Argos, but I'm interested to see if I'm not alone in that one. And then next week we'll do the same thing for the West division. And then at that point, we're getting down to the week after is the last week before football is officially back. We'll do our full predictions. We'll do some fantasy stuff. Uh, and then we get into talking about actual football games. And I know I'm excited. I know Mike's excited. And we just can't wait for the games to begin. Uh, so make sure you check, uh, follow us on Twitter, as I mentioned, uh, on the podcast platforms. Uh, subscribe, like, comment, share the show, do all those fun things that help us grow it. Uh, follow all the other Canadian Football Podcast Network shows as well at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Lots of great content around the league there. All right, that does it for today's show. Uh, thank you for listening, as always. Join us again next week, and we'll have some more fun with the CFL. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.